Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and we are honored to have you with us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. And we're all about the whole person here at Rise Up For You. So if you haven't grabbed your free Becoming Your Best Self Startup Kit yet, you can text Rise Podcast to 797979. That's Rise Podcast to 797979. And you'll be supported both personally and professionally. Now, today I had a wonderful conversation with Tasha Anderson. Now, her passion is to help nonprofits bridge the gap between the accounting they need and the accounting they can afford. And she is the founder of the Charity CFO, an organization offering accounting and thought leadership skills to nonprofit agencies. Tasha created the Charity CFO after realizing the need for specialized skills in nonprofits with limited financial resources. So rise up for you and enjoy this episode with Tasha Anderson. Well, welcome Tasha to the Rise Up For You podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Absolutely. Me too. Well, let's dive in. So share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I am, you know, a woman entrepreneur. I stumbled across entrepreneurship as probably many of us have. I left my post in public accounting. Uh, I did that for many, many years. I then took a job as a CFO, uh, trying to align my personal and professional interest and passions. And I did that for a few years. And honestly, right around the time my daughter turned one, I realized I had to do something better um, with this thing called life. It just wasn't harmonious in the way I needed it to be. And I decided to go ahead and go out on my own as a freelance consultant and help, um, you know, small to mid-sized nonprofits and anyone else that might benefit from, you know, my accounting background in this space and wanted to help them, you know, solve all of their accounting and financial problems, but on a very small scale, um, as luck would have it, uh, I failed miserably at that goal um, in the best way possible. Um, my idea of being a, you know, part-time stay-at-home mom, part-time, um, you know, casual consultant turned into now a multi-million dollar business that's nationwide with a team of 11. So that didn't last long. Um, I think I did that for about a year. I worked part-time, but um, we've been off to the races ever since. And it's it's been an incredible, amazing ride. And I'd love sharing my experiences for other people um, that are going through similar journeys, maybe just different steps on those journeys, um, or even further along than me that we can all kind of learn from each other. So that's a little bit about me. I've owned my own business, my accounting practice now for four and a half years. Um, I like to joke that I'm not a typical accountant in the sense that I love business um, as much or more than I love accounting or yeah, accounting. And I love helping nonprofits um, figure out a way to run their mission-based organizations in a, an entrepreneurial way. Um, and, and I've really enjoyed all of the parts of my own particular journey, running my business, developing my team, uh, figuring out how to make the business not necessarily be dependent on me. So that's a little bit about my background. I've done that for four and a half years now and have no regrets. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. What made you decide to go into the nonprofit sector? 
Great question. I, <laughs> that was also accidental, as I joke with anyone, uh, any of your listeners that might work in the nonprofit space or ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, you never plan that. <laughs> it seems generally you don't plan that. I actually worked in public accounting. Uh, I was an ambitious young woman that wanted to get a promotion. And uh, one surefire way to not get a promotion was to work a lot in the nonprofit space because they had tended to have a lot of turnover in their accounting. Their books were often pretty messy, which as an auditor, which I was, um, would have a really hard time being profitable in those jobs. And I've always been one to root for the underdog and take on difficult things. Uh, I know I can do challenging tasks or mission impossible. So uh, I actually saw an opportunity open up in that that department. And I thought I actually really enjoy and understand um, the missions for these things on a very personal level. But maybe there's a way that I can be successful in this role. Um, And I also really liked working with the mission. So rather than being in the nonprofit space is known for being the least profitable sector, it's kind of like the pro bono ish division Mm -hmm. of most firms, whether it's law firms, accounting firms or any firms. right? Right. And by the time I left. Uh, I became one of the most profitable in charges in the entire group because I worked closely with my clients, educated them on things, um, and realized it wasn't just that they were, you know, unwilling or unable. They just didn't know or they didn't have enough accounting help to get them to where they needed to be. And that was kind of my aha moment, not so much in a way that I thought I was going to own a business that focused working with them full time, but I decided to commit my whole career to working with nonprofits. And that's when I took the position as a CFO. But during that time, I always had people reach out to me, Tasha, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone that knows accounting for nonprofits? Do you know anybody willing to do it part time? And do you know anybody willing to do it for less money than what they would make, um, you know, doing it in a for-profit world, right? In a large Mm. corporation. And you can imagine those are what people have called unicorns or purple squirrels. A recruiter (laughs) once told me, a nonprofit accountant, uh, they just don't really exist. And this just kept coming up and kept coming up. And I realized this is the world's way of telling me, Tasha, this is an amazing problem that you can help solve. Uh, And it always was in the back of my mind. And I really just decided now or never when I left my job as a CFO, truly from burnout and just finding that balance in my own family, my own life, um, that I that I just I didn't know really how I was going to do it. I just rolled up my sleeves and got to work. And um, here we are four and a half years later. So it's completely accidental. uh, And now I'm just my husband would say I'm obsessed with it, um, <laughs> obsessed with helping um, nonprofits, obsessed with doing really meaningful work, uh, and obsessed with relationships that I have created through my work with my clients and my team. And um, I don't think that hurts anyone. So mm, no, <laughs> I'm okay absolutely being not. Being obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm that's a, I'm okay. It's a good thing to be obsessed with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, I, I I love what you said about the. Um, I was in, I've been involved in some smaller nonprofits, and mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes what what I have seen is there's all these big hearts, you know, these big hearts. They want to we want to do something. And there's a mission. There's but then the business side is where because you said something about you love the business side, right? It's not just the accounting, but um, do you also help with that? Because I see so many nonprofits need that. How do you balance the 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 goal and the mission and and, and that part of it with 
with, but it, you do need to run it as a business too, right? To yeah. be able to do the work you really want to do in the world. Yeah. And, and the truth is I am a CPA by education and training, but it's really business as a whole, uh, that I really love. And I, my team doesn't do that officially. Mm-hmm. We do the accounting services, but I like to joke that I'm actually an IT company that does accounting <laughs> services for nonprofits because we use so much technology. And I tell them we try to streamline everything we can, automate everything we can, and use technology to do a lot of the easier um, data entry, day-to-day stuff so mm-hmm. that I can spend more of my time and my client's budget talking about matters that are really going to move the needle for them. Um, it's funny, I was just on the phone with a client earlier and I, we were kind of joking that I, I there's oftentimes many conversations um, that I really, as an accountant, probably have no business being in, <laughs> but um, she really values that relationship and values the advice that we offer. Even if it's, should I sign this contract? Do you think this is the right direction for the business? So it's really about being a trusted advisor yes. more than anything. And I, I joke with my team, this woman doesn't make a business decision. And she's a CEO of a nonprofit um, without running it by me. And I think because I'm a CEO and also the CFO of many nonprofits, um, it's a little bit different dynamic, right? Than right. if I'm just an accountant that happens to work for her. Um, she, she really respects where I'm coming from because mm. I've also had to build my own business build my own team, uh, develop a lot of things internally that, that they're trying to do as well. So I can't help to not share my experiences <laughs> or at least give referrals because I know how difficult it is to build a business. Um, so I can't help to not do that. And that's what I tell my clients. You may not be looking for um, financial thought leadership and advice, and you might just want a bookkeeper, but that kind of just comes with the territory. <laughs> absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I can see where that would, there would definitely be overlap in the fact, like you said, that you had to learn all of that side building your own business. So mm-hmm. yeah, why not, right? Be more of that trusted advisor across the board. So that's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, what, um, if, you know, if someone's listening that is either, you know, uh, in, in, has a nonprofit or is wanting to start a nonprofit, um, or maybe they're struggling again with this whole like financial side of the nonprofit, what was some, some advice you'd give? Like, what are some basic things they need to have in place? Basic things. First, I think if nothing else, educate yourself on things educate or hire someone uh, proactively. I I tend to tell people that are starting up, please don't call me after you've made some of these key major issues. And Mm -hmm. and also for those not just starting a nonprofit, but a lot of times uh, we find ourselves on boards of nonprofits. So kind of understanding on a very basic level um, that there is an accounting system in place. You can use something very outside of the box, like a QuickBooks works totally fine for almost all of my clients. Um, There's some really good tools out there on Amazon, nonprofit for accounting, QuickBooks for small nonprofits. Um, If you do any sort of searches on that, on on any of the major, uh, you know, bookstores or Amazon, you can find great books. One of my favorite places to go was um, YouTube. Honestly, in full transparency, when I started this firm, I have worked for larger organizations that had much more complicated and much more expensive systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know how to use QuickBooks and mm-hmm. I had to teach myself how to do that for the benefit of my clients. And I used books like that. I used um, YouTube 
or any other free resource out there to show me what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm not supposed to be doing. So get an accounting system at least to get your transactions in there and to be able to run very basic reports. Um, get some cheap or lens, uh, get a book from the library or do, like I said, some videos and kind of educate yourself uh, at a very high level. Um, also keep tabs on the compliance needs that you have. Um, there's good websites out there uh, in every state, of course, and even some small local cities or municipalities have other compliance needs. But know two things generally, that you owe the IRS some sort of tax return every year, mm -hmm. regardless if you are operational, regardless if you received any money. So know that the IRS gives you three years. Um, if you don't submit your tax return, then they will automatically revoke your status. So I get a lot of emails from, you know, nonprofits out there that lost their status because they said, well, we've been dormant, we haven't done anything, and the IRS doesn't care. So oh, okay. know that. And then also know that likely your state requires some sort of annual registration. You can usually do it online. It's very cost effective. But what you don't want to do is lose your designation or lose your you know, tax status because you've just failed to file. So that's one thing. Um, there's a, a book out there. I can't remember the name. Uh, again, on Amazon, it's called From Passion to Execution. And it really takes you step by step. Some of the things that from a compliance standpoint, you need to be mindful of. And as a board um, or a potential founder of a nonprofit, just know what you're required to do, even initially, even if you're very, very small. And oftentimes they might take very little time to submit those filings, but uh, super important because mm. if you forget and fail to file for a few years, you will have to start this whole process all over again. I would say that's the biggest thing. And then eventually, you know, I was just talking about this with another gentleman that sits on a board of, um, he's a treasurer. And he said, I think oftentimes nonprofits seek to get volunteer services um, and, and some sort of, you know, pro bono work. And I'm all for, I'm, a, I'm an accountant mm -hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, especially for nonprofits. I'm all for getting things um, discounted or free, but, but sometimes you just have to pay for the services to get the timeliness, um, the responsiveness, um, or the quality of the work that you need. Sure. And uh, this particular gentleman and I were talking about, I think that there's a little bit of a hesitation to hire professionals um, to assist with certain parts of the business simply because they want to get it donated. And I, honestly, that's how I ended up in the nonprofit space because it was the volunteer bookkeepers um, that were working and I was auditing them and it was quite difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. So really, when possible, get the expertise that you need. Uh, whether it's through volunteer board members or hiring people that focus on that space to help keep you out of trouble and ultimately sleep easier at night. That's that's a really common area. I see people wait too long mm. to invest in those services, and then it costs more time, money, and energy to fix those problems after the fact. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you can't have your a volunteer necessarily or a friend help out. <laughs> You know, I mean, no. it can backfire for sure to a point. Exactly. But then <laughs> to, to, to grow, it's it's having all those all those uh, yeah ducks in a row. Like you said, with the IRS, it makes a ton of sense and compliance. And um, there's a lot more goes into it than just you know having that passion, having that great idea. But you know, what mm -hmm. is, you know, to that uh, to the business side, too. So that's great. Yeah. And I think I would also say, I think a lot of times when people think about taking an idea that serves the public well, 
um, they might assume they need to be a nonprofit. Uh, I have a business that works exclusively with nonprofits, and we do a lot of work to try to lift up the communities um, and assist, you know, nonprofit leaders in that way. Um, and we work with a bunch of different collaborative groups to, to assist and, and lend our expertise when needed. But I'm not a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so ask yourself, always ask yourself, really, what is the reason other than maybe a good PR message for why you're trying to do this as a nonprofit? And can you do this as a for-profit and not necessarily have all of those compliance matters, um, you know, and it can come down to certain states require you to have a certain number of board members, mm-hmm. a certain title associated with those board members. Um, you know, a state could require you to have certain filings that you're not necessarily going to be able to be successful at doing, or you don't have the experience. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And, um, the more money you have, like I tell my clients, the more money you have, the more problems you're going to create because, um, of course more money becomes uh, a greater need for transparency, Mm-hmm. which then requires you to invest in the resources, whether it's software, people, processes, um, expertise through consultants or, or whatever, uh, in order to make sure that you can meet that that expectation of transparency. So I really, really encourage people to consider whether it makes sense for them to have a, um, a nonprofit. For example, mm-hmm. um, I'll ask folks that I get on the phone with that are entertaining this idea, and I'll say, well, is there any way to get the funding that you want to do this work without being a nonprofit? So for a school, preschool, for example, um, you can get the same contracts with the state and the feds being a for-profit. And you're not going to be held to a lot of the same standards. In in some cases, nonprofits are held to different ratio, even teacher to child um, standards. Uh, you know, they have to have boards that they're accountable to. And the boards are going to require things that you just wouldn't have to deal with a lot of that if you were a for-profit. Oh, okay. So give me an example. Like what, then what would be the benefit of being a nonprofit as opposed to a for-profit? I mean, is there some distinction there that, uh, yeah, I think the biggest one would be public support through donations. But Mm -hmm. what I love seeing now, there's more and more entrepreneurial minded nonprofit leaders out there, meaning they're not necessarily just interested in soliciting donations, no Mm -hmm. strings attached donations, like a, like a very traditional uh, nonprofit. They might be looking to earn their revenue. So they're not so much worried about the seasonality or issues coming with, um, you know, stock markets crashing and significant donors aren't giving in the same way that they were or the foundation that used to give has now um, changed their 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 needs that they're willing to fund i mean there's lots of different things so shying away from donations Mm -hmm. um would allow you to be more of a for-profit model and then you can ask yourself if i'm earning revenue say i have a co-working space Mm -hmm. And I thought initially it would be a for-profit because I'm moving into this particular community and this community, um, we're going to do job training there. We're going to do some other things. You can get grants Mm. um, or you can earn revenue through renting your space to pay for that programming. You don't necessarily have to get donations. And I think that that's the biggest distinction, right? Right. Um, Whether you want public donations or you think you can do it on your own through earned revenue. Uh, I see way more nonprofits now earning revenue through selling some service or selling some good um, or renting certain space than I ever have, Mm. which is 
pretty great because right. it allows them to be more self-sustaining and not at the mercy of, um, you know, what's going on in the world around us necessarily, or what's going on in the philanthropic world. Uh, and you don't have strings attached to it. So mm. if somebody said, I'm going to give you $10,000 for a purple pen, you don't have to spend it on purple pens. If somebody buys something from you, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want with that money, as long as it's within line with your mission. So you could sure. hire a staff person, or you can, you know, expand your building or buy new furniture, you can do whatever you want with it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. That's awesome. It's good because I, I, I've been on both sides myself, you know, with a, with a company that we were for profit, but then we have now a nonprofit arm because we do, um, get grants, you know, so you kind of need to go through a nonprofit to get a grant to do a particular project, you know, so, um, you know, that, that side of it. That's what it would really come down to for me. Could we do more work faster, have a greater reach Mm. and better community partners if we chose to be a nonprofit and is it worth it? For example, I had a woman that created a really incredible nonprofit, um, but she had some intellectual property with it. So um, she actually worked with uh, children in foster care and they had interracial families and they had ethnic care that they were trying to um, style for foster families because of the cost. Um, it was cost prohibitive a lot of the times for um, uh, foster care families and in addition to like different styling products she created all sorts of things so I encouraged her do not um, put your product line in this nonprofit because this is not your company to own you may have been the founder but you don't own it mm-hmm. so if there's intellectual property I have another client who has a software they developed they did not put that into the nonprofit because they would lose any rights or value or royalties or anything for it. So really be smart about it um, as you enter uh, for-profit versus nonprofit arms. And, and there's definitely ways to be creative about it as well that, that makes sense and protect everybody. Right. Never thought about that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely an important conversation to have with someone like you yes, <laughs> who knows exactly. the difference. Yeah, well, that's the business part, right? That's the business and, part. Uh, people have asked me, well, why why haven't you been a nonprofit? I said, well, because a board could fire me. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> so, um, yes, there's all lots of good ways to consider it. And there's definitely good arguments for either one in certain circumstances. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, that's a ton of insight. Thank you so much for that. And let's go ahead and move on to our power questions. So we always love to ask our guests these same questions. So what is one book that has had a massive impact on you? So I would say the biggest book that's had a massive impact on me is more as it relates to my life and my business. And that would be E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, It really talks about just systemizing your business to the point where your business is not dependent on you. Mm. And that's an area that I've really struggled with because I am the CFO for nonprofits, uh, or many nonprofits and the need that the clients and the dependence that the clients have created for me and specifically my time, how am I ever going to be in a situation where I, I truly feel like I have freedom, I can take long vacations, um, I could take a day off if I wanted to. And I think as an entrepreneur, we get ourselves in these traps where um, I think the book says something, uh, if you if you've become a solopreneur, meaning it's just you, uh, you've now created, uh, you've signed up for the worst job and the worst boss ever. <laughs> and that's you. And, that's that's you. you. <laughs> and how do you create 
the business you want that's in line with what you envisioned when you left a full-time job for some, if you're similar to me, you know, for something that's a little more harmonious and, and it gives you a lot more freedom. Right, right. Great. What is a quote that you live by? A quote that I live by, um, you know, I think that I focus primarily a quote that I live by is something, um, I'm trying to think I had, I had a good quote written down, but it's more of a mantra that I live by. Mm -hmm. And I feel like relationships first and money second, I, I tend to focus primarily on the relationships and doing a great job for my clients, for my employees and focusing on that first and foremost is beyond beyond anything else because mm. then success and money comes um people want to work with me they want to work with my team um it's funny i've i've i, I kind of joke that people will leave um working for me um in the company they want to go get a different role or whatever and i've had three people come back <laughs> so um which is kind of a joke if anyone's leaving it's like she'll be back right? yeah um that's fantastic. And, and that's really probably my biggest achievement too um aside from financial or um whatever it might be, um, other relationships that I develop. And when that's, when that's on point and that's, that's really, when you focus on those things, you, you just can't really lose. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you could leave the world with one final message, like your golden nugget, what would it be? I really think, especially for business owners and people looking to create something new and unique for themselves is to really focus on being true to why you started the business and develop a process for getting there. And some of the things that I really focused on is really being intentional on finding my own succession plan. And I find that that's really important, not just for my clients, but it's important for my family and the legacy I might leave. Um, It's important for my team members. And I focus a lot of that work by systemizing my business, which is a whole nother episode, Um, (laughs) creating a succession plan for you, which is for one, an ego blow. And for two, um, really uncomfortable to think about because I'm nowhere near a typical age for retirement. Um, be creative just about who you hire and, and where you're hiring and what you're hiring for. If you have a business out there, uh, much like even a nonprofit, I said, hire uh, accountants and hire good people to do things hire sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite tip is to um, take a sabbatical from your own business. I just did that. I, I went on a two and a half week completely off the grid um, sabbatical. Uh, and I did that and it was such a rejuvenating experience. Um, mm. And I encourage everyone to do that. And if there's any questions or um, concerns that that's not even at all possible, I definitely encourage you to check out eMyth and, mm. um, follow me on social media or check out my website, send me a message and I'd be happy to share with you how I would have been the first one to agree that can never actually happen, but it can happen. And, uh, and I did it. So, um, I built a business so much so that they, they don't need me. And that was my goal. So nice. Nice. It reminds me of that quote. If you, if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, you need to meditate for an hour. You know, it's like yes. same thing. If you don't have time to take a vacation, you probably need to take two, right? It's really true. Yeah. And everyone on my team, I encourage to take two weeks off at a time as a 
it, it really is a pressure test on the yeah. business. So there is a way out um, of the worst job uh, and mm-hmm. the worst boss. And um, I'm living proof of that. So it's been, it's been really, really awesome. Fantastic. Well, how can we uh, find you and support you? Yeah. So check me out on LinkedIn, um, on social media, and um, my website's probably the easiest place to go. Uh, the company name is The Charity CFO. So you can just go to www.thecharitycfo.com. That should then cross-link you over to social media channels if you want to, um, you know, like, follow, uh, whatever it might be, and send me a message if there's any way I can share more of my experiences with um where I've come and where I'm going with, with building my own business and how I can help other people do that for theirs. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Our last question, as you know, we are rise up for you. So when you hear that phrase, what does it mean to you? Rise up for you really means, um, for me, what I loved about that quote was I had to constantly remind myself why I've made this decision to go out on my own, why I've started this business, why I'm making these huge leaps of faith and taking massive risks in my life. And it's really just standing up for yourself. It's, it's standing up for what you want and remembering what that is and keeping that front and center of where you're going and really weaving that through all the decisions that you make. And that's definitely something I've had to do from the beginning. Um, I started a business because of standing up for myself and what I was hoping for my family. And I continue to make decisions every day, uh, to stay true to that. So Mm. it's, it's, it's incredible. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your insight. I know it really served our audience. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.